Last week, I started kind of a two-part little thing about being better together. And I believe that one of the most important things as a church is developing yourself or developing what God gives you into certain things. We look at it as the, uh, the, sower, the sower and the seed uh, parable where the seed has been thrown out, which is the word of God. But it only develops correctly in good soil. And I said that there are certain things that make up good soil. One of the things is loving God intimately. Intimacy with God. Loving Him above all else. The other thing is serving people. Loving people. And those two things there is the very yoke of Jesus Christ. When He said, what is your greatest commandment? And He said, love God, love people. That's the greatest. Right? And I believe what makes up good soil is not only just loving God, loving people, but it's also doing it together. Community is what makes discipleship. And so as we get together, we can, do, we can love God, we can love people, and we can bring them into where they can love God and love people better together. As I said before, community or discipleship, Christianity is, was not intended for you to try to do it yourself. Okay? You can have your alone time with God to build yourself, but discipleship, evangelism, things like that is meant to be done as community, better together. And last week, we kind of talked about how we could all be as one and some of the things that we need to look into ourselves to be better together so we could all be as one. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about as leaders in being better together. More, specific, more specifically, how you can make sure you as a community can... Uh, Disciple people yourselves. To put yourselves in a place where your lifestyle is a ministry. As you develop a way to have life on life. As we become better together, you need to develop yourself in community to be better for a life on life. See, this is a prayer for me in this church. It's a constant prayer for me in this church as I as I do struggle with children's ministries as a part of people helping. I've had some people who are always there to help me. I've had uh, different people who would come and say, I'm willing to do this and willing to do that. And I appreciate them. A lot of times it's the same people who wants to try to do all these different things, though. There is a huge amount of uh, opportunities that children's ministries alone can have. But it's impossible for the same group of people to do everything that I have vision for. And the only way that children's ministries or men's ministries, women's ministries, 
these new small groups, different things like that's going to happen is A, we get together and be better, but B, we rise up to say that I can have my life develop another life because that's what it's all about. Discipleship is community and developing your life on life. So when you look at Scripture with Jesus, you see that he walked with people. He walked with 12 disciples. He lived life with them. He wasn't just a teacher to them. He wasn't just someone who walked with them, listened to them, interacted with them, laughed with them. He was, he was someone who had relationship with them. For three years, he devoted his life to them. Not just his teaching, but his entire life to them. And to these 12 disciples, that was Jesus' legacy to them. There's, a, there's an older old writer like 100 years ago who um, I recently started reading. I think it's re- really good stuff. Ian Bounds, he writes a book called Power, Power Through Prayer. And I've used him before. Uh, but he says this, The training of the twelve was the great, difficult, enduring work of Christ. See, it wasn't just the disciples Jesus poured his life out for. He poured his life out for individuals. And they were not just impacted by his teaching. They were impacted by his life. Jesus modeled for us a style of life on life. And Jesus uh, did this, which was truly transformational. It was a teaching in the context of discipleship that truly left a lasting impact in the disciples' life. We see this, though, throughout all of Scripture, of where there is high value of emphasis in, in relationships. Go down the list from Moses to uh, Joshua, to Mordecai, to Esther, Elijah, to Elisha, Paul, and Timothy. All these are just a, a list of individuals that poured their life into another life, creating discipleship, being better together. You can look, uh, you can have the list. Of individuals, but you can look at the Old Testament. There is genealogies and families. These are these chapters, you know, in the Old Testament that we, we skip over. You know, you ever read these chapters where it just names all the people? Like, okay, I've read this once to say that I've read the Bible, you know. But but next time you come to it and you see the list of people, you just kind of, you know, skim on over. But see, the Bible highlights these people for a purpose. Same thing in the New Testament. It's not just uh, genealogies anymore, but it extends down just beyond families and nations. And we look at like Paul's letters as he, as he ends these letters so personally to people. As he, as he says things as I really like him and, and I, this guy is amazing. And, and I want you to highlight him and give them a kiss and, and, and have a relationship with this guy and, and 
you know, and he connects with people on a personal level as, as a life on life. The Bible emphasizes uh, relationships and gives us the model to have life on life. But before we jump more into this, reflect on uh, what we talked about. We as individuals come together in community. And as we humble ourselves, remember this is from last week, we need to humble ourselves, gentle, patient, bearing with one another as one body, one spirit, called to one hope, one Lord, one truth, one immersion, and one God who rules over them and over us all, just as Ephesians stated. As we remember that, that it's a, a personal reflection of ourselves that need to build before we can have life on life. But today, the Lord wants me to highlight this issue of people walking as life on life, more specifically, and, and I kind of did this to, to coexist a little bit with pastor's messages of family. But as we're a family, to be able to get to a point to where you can have life on life and make discipleship better together, we need to have a heart of a father and a mother to people. Now, I'm not, I'm not, this is, this is not like an age thing. This is not a gender thing. This is not, you know, you, you, you can have a heart of a father and mother if you don't, if you're single, if you're married, if you're, you know, close to 100, or close to 15, right? You can have a heart of a father and mother given to you through the Holy Spirit so that way you can pour your life into another life. And Paul's a great example of this. He didn't have any kids. He was not married, but yet he poured his life as a father to people. He said things like, I labor for you with Christ is formed in you as a father loves. He even talks about Timothy a lot as saying that this is my beloved son. But Timothy was just a disciple of his. See, I believe when placed the heart of a father and mother in us, the life on life begins naturally. And it starts to happen, and we become better together. Turn with me, if you will, to um, Malachi chapter 3. I have to say this. Malachi chapter 3. No. Malachi chapter 4. Let me make sure I get that right. Because I use, sorry, I use the Hebrew Bible, and in the Hebrew Bible, there's not a chapter 4. It's still chapter 3. So, 4, verses 5 through 6. If you have a Hebrew Bible, it's Malachi 3, 23 and 24. It says, Lo, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the coming of the awesome, fearful day of the Lord. He shall reconcile parents with children and children with their parents, so that when I come, I do not strike the whole land with other destruction. Also go to 1 Corinthians 
1 Corinthians 4, 15. And it says, For even if you have 10,000 trainers in connection with, the, with Jesus, you do not have many fathers. For in connection with, the, with Jesus Christ, it was who become your father by means of the good news of the gospel. See here, Paul is declaring to the church that I'm not here just to train you or to teach you about the father, but to be a father to you. I want you as children not to imitate my life, not as a teacher, but as a father. And here's, and here's the issue. Our math is wrong in doing this. If we're going to have life on life, our math is wrong. Okay? For example, there's a prophecy out there that, has, um, that says that there will be a billion people harvest. A prophecy of a billion people harvest. Okay? A billion people are supposed to accept the Lord and start showing up in our churches. A billion people are supposed to come in and we're supposed to give life on life to them. A billion people is 15% of the earth's population. Okay? And let's say, let's, let's break it down. If you want to give life on life, I'm talking truly devote to uh, life on life, it's, it's the best thing, probably for me, I probably wouldn't be able to take more than like five people to, to pour my life into them. Now, I can teach, you know, hundreds. I can teach thousands or whatever, you know, God puts in front of me to be able to share the good news. But to pour my life into them, to minister uh, life into them, probably only going to take about five people for me to be able to successfully do that. And that's just me. Maybe, maybe a couple of you are just way better at it, and, and you go after it. But let's just say five people, one to five ratio, out of a billion people, one to five ratio, that's two million people, 200 million people, sorry, 200 million people, which means that it's going to have to take 200 million disciplers to pour their life into the billion people of the harvest. It's a lot of Christians to be disciplers. 200 million. Let's break it down a little bit more like in Marion. We have the one, two, three, four, five, right? So if we, we say that exists, there's probably more than that, uh, more than likely. But you got the 12,345 people. If we say 15% of that, we, we save 15% of Marion. How awesome would that be? Right? If we can, we can get God to interrupt 15% of Marion's people and bring this, them into our church. That's going to be 1,852 people. 1,852 people that are going to be entering in our church as new, new Christians, new people that need to experience who God is in their life. Let's say we do the one to five. Everybody gets five people. 
We would need 370 people in our church ready and willing to do what God wants them to do to pour their life on another life up to at least five people. 370 people in order for the math to work. See, fathers and mothers have this natural understanding that the legacy is in people that they pour into. We live in this, this task-driven, this, this uh, performance-driven type of culture, and, and success is defined by things that aren't what God defines successful. Even when I was younger in, in children's ministries, you know, you, I would look at what would make things successful. Obviously, sometimes, you know, if the children's church would grow, that would make successful. If kids, if I had, you know, grew from five kids to 30 or from 30 kids to 300, then that would mean I'm successful. Or if I had to knock down this wall in order to build a new children's church area, that would say, well, it seems like this is successful. Right? Now, as a father, I've grown to learn that that's not necessarily what makes things successful. See, as soon as I had my first child... I came to a realization that the greatest thing that I will ever do personally is to pour my life into her. God has called me into children's ministries, but the greatest thing that I could ever do as a father is to pour my life into my child and into my children. Seeing her grow and be where God wants her to be, that success. And the church needs to understand that as we are not called to uh, build structures. We're not necessarily called to implement programs, but we are called to build people. The greatest thing in a church's life can ever do is to build people. And then the success happens as we have to build a new building, as we have to uh, do certain things that we want, build programs and things, but it's all as we give life on life. It's all in legacy. It's all in how people remember who you are. We had a funeral yesterday, and as the speaker was speaking, he was giving a legacy of a man who, who I barely knew. I think I've probably actually met him once and I was a teenager. But as people talked and people gave their testimony and the speaker was speaking, they did not start talking about the things that he did which was awesome to them. What was awesome to them is how he poured his life into them. And that was the legacy, even to the speaker, who I believe was his uh, nephew. 
said it was really hard for him to do this service because of his legacy to him. Because he poured his life into him. Not just through teachings, not just through, you know, showing them how to, you know, do certain things, but just being there. He talked about the fact that no matter when you showed up, he was there, willing to, to uh, be there for you. See, his legacy was in people. And having the heart of a father and mother means sharing your lives. The biggest part of having a heart of a father and a mother for people is to share your life with them. Living a life on life is about opening yourself up and letting people in and sharing your life with them. As, as a father, the greatest thing is to invest in the life of my kids. From the very beginning, uh, a child's life as the mother is, is the physical, physically sharing their life with their kids. By feeding them and nurturing them, they are sharing physically with them. 1 Thessalonians 2.28 1 Thessalonians 2.28 says this, We were so devoted to you that we were... Glad to share with you not only God's good news, but also our lives. Because you had become very dear to us. So we, he, says, sorry, he says, we didn't devote ourselves just to share the gospel, but we devote to you to share our life with you. See, we are called not to just share the gospel, to share the good news, but also our lives. People who have made their mark on my life are people who opened up their lives to me. Pastor Choi Tig is the youth pastor when I was in youth. And he took me under his wing when everyone else said that there's, there's no hope for that kid. I was, I was literally that kid that, that uh, you know, when I was, when I was around the, the, the church, I, I, you know, I didn't know how to, how to act around Christians or anything like that. I just, you know, I was young. I didn't have a, a, a good father figure. So in the, in the man world, I guess, I was a little immature. But Pastor Choi... I know part of it was his part of it was his job, but he could have he could have chose someone else. He could have done something else. But he chose me to spend time with. I don't remember all his sermons. In fact, I barely remember, you know, most of them. Hardly any of them. I remember sometimes he, he would do certain things to for a sermon series, you know, like the Armor God, and I remember, you know, him cutting out stuff. I remember things he would do, like having people come in on motorcycles and or things with the chainsaws, and he would try to do the cool stuff, you know, the youth bastards. I remember some of those things, but as far as the teachings, you know, I can barely remember any of any of the the sermons. 
But I do remember him pouring his life into mine. And it was that man who kept me out of whatever I would have become. And that's the God's honest truth. There's been other people in my life who have poured their life into me. It's funny, my, my father-in-law, Mr. Chuck over there, who's, who's been a second father to me, and, I, and I, I love him dearly, and I don't want to be all mushy with him. But uh, he's, he's done a lot to pour his life into me. You know, my first ministry ever in the church is doing sound. And he took the time to explain to me all the ins and outs of the analog world, of the sound system. And I've been able to take that and run with it. He poured his life into me. And because of that, I've been able to grow into some uh, awesome opportunities. To be able to have the job that I have right now in the school district would not probably be possible if it wasn't for that introducing of that of what he's done in my life. He poured his life into me. Now, he tried to shut me out when I wanted to marry his daughter, but that wasn't going to happen. I knew he did it in love. But I am not who I am today if it wasn't for the people who poured their life into me. I may not ever remember the things that they teach me Specifically, but I will remember the times that they were there. I will remember the times that they showed me how to be able to uh, push through this circumstance, to be able to rise above this situation. It's these people who made life on my life that allowed me to be who I am. Even today, people who have the most impact on me are people who open up their life to me. Your life becoming healthy, whole, your life growing every day is is critical because the only thing you have to give is your life. This is why building a a culture that that challenges you to grow is what's important so that your life can be impact. That way you can bring your life to impact another. Hebrews 6, 11 says... However, we want each of you, each one of you, to keep showing the same diligence right up to the end when your hope will be realized so that you will not become sluggish or lazy, but will be imitators of those who by their trust and patience are receiving what has been promised. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke God's message to you, the word of God. Remember them. Why? So you can reflect on the results of their way of life. So you can remember what their life was like. And imitate their trust or their faith. He didn't say not to imitate their teachings said to imitate their faith, imitate how they live, 
because of God's word in their life. That, that's what the, the teaching is, is brought through, or, or the Christian word is manifest in their life. This is a way that when you are being stretched, rejoice that God is growing you. And the only thing that makes an impact is your life. Ian Bounds also wrote, writes, Preaching is not the performance of an hour. It is an outflow of a life. It takes 20 years to make a sermon because it takes 20 years to make a man. It's not the sermon that makes the impact, it's the life. Allow the Lord to develop your life because your life is all you have to give to people. One of the greatest joys in life is to take something that costs us dearly and give it away for free to someone else. So we go through things and we, we have times in our lives that we struggle through. But as we become disciples and have a heart as a mother and as a heart of a father and we develop life on life and we become better together, it's all because we can take our past situations and use them as testimonies and give for free a way for people to live their life. Having a heart of a father and mother is sharing your life. Also, having a heart of a father and mother is both intentional and inconvenient. I mean, it could be so busy. Everything in life is happening right now, and, and there's so many excuses on why we, can, we, uh, we are not connecting or, or why this is happening uh, in we have to be intentional as we have a heart as a father and mother. We cannot put silly things first in, in our lives to find the, the time, right? There, there, there are times when we, we uh, you know, we're watching TV and, and the kids will want to come up and ask a question. And you're you could be go away, or you can intentionally have life on life. Now, you, you, you as a, uh, a father and mother, I will say this, as a father and mother, you do have that uh, inner self inside of you that knows whether this is um, you know legit question or not. And so sometimes when, when you hear the question, you're like, go away. Or, or I do, I guess. I'm the only one. But when I know I can pour my life into my child through the question, I will take the opportunity. It's about being intentionally invested into their life. As I said last week, it's, it's putting your life uh, into, into them. Also being 
being a heart, having a heart of a father and mother is intentionally and it's also inconvenient. I mean, one of the most inconvenient things in the world is parenting. Right? I mean, from day one, as soon as the baby comes out, you're, this is inconvenient. I mean, they don't, they don't, you know, go by any of your schedules. They don't ask you, is, this, is it okay right now if I cry? You know, Mom, you go ahead and sleep. I'll sleep this one through the night for you. All right? Being a parent, it can be inconvenient. All right? I, I remember, now, uh, I'll be honest with you, we, uh, or I'd say Mary Beth, did an awesome job at being able to uh, get the kids to sleep through the night. Now, some of it's the kids and some of it was her, but... Uh, we did not have a lot of struggle with that. And I'll be honest with you, I, just, I don't know if God just had favor on us or what, but uh, we did not struggle with that a whole lot. But there were times where the baby would cry in the night or when it was bedtime even. And I remember having to walk with the baby to get her to cry and to calm down. I remember those nights where I was like, man, I wish I was in bed right now, but I'm pacing throughout the house, just trying to get her to calm down or to get him to calm down. I remember that. Babies can be inconvenient. Following Jesus can be inconvenient. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, let him say no to himself. Take up his execution stake, his cross, and keep following me. That's inconvenient. Luke 9.57 says, as they were traveling on the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered to him, The foxes have holes and the birds flying about have nests, but the Son of Man has no home of his own, no place to lay his head. That's, that's inconvenient. I mean, Jesus could have been like, Okay, what you're going to do, if you're going to follow me, sweet. I'm going to put you up in the nicest hotels, right? I'm going to get you the nicest planes, Okay, I'm going to get you all the money you need and be able to just do what you got to do. Mother, he said, you know, you know the, the foxes and the birds and everything, they're going to have it a little better than you because that's the way this life is going to go. He also said to another, he said, follow me. But the man replied, sir, first let me go away and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That's, a, that's inconvenient. I had a funeral to attend. Following God can be inconvenient. May not be the most, I mean, it just, he just was not up there going, you know what? I'm just going to make this as convenient as possible for you. It just, it, it hasn't happened for me. But yet I follow him and I serve him and he's done things in my life that has blessed me beyond measure. 
may not be the most inconvenient thing that uh, you'll ever do, but it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever get. When I was first in ministry, there were things that made me happy. Like the bigger, bigger church, the more people. What makes me happy now is being able to see the people that were in my children's ministries that are still doing what God wants them to do. That's what makes me happy. That's a success story. When God had called me into the ministry, there were things in my life that I don't remember about what happened, but I remember pouring my life, even as a teenager, into some people. And what makes me happy is being able to see them successfully doing what God wants them to do. What makes me sad is seeing people that I poured my life into that are not doing what God wants them to do. And I've had several of those. I still, I still pray for them. I still would see them on Facebook every once in a while. Just, oh, man. There's a couple that, that you know, my wife and I both tackled and still makes me sad but I pray for him every day see those are the things that makes me happy seeing the people that are still living for God not any uh, part of reconstruction churches that I've been a part of not any uh, times where uh, my children's ministries just grew or anything like that. What makes me happy is seeing those who are still living for him. Because what our goal is, is to raise up fathers and mothers themselves. That's our goal. To be a discipler, to be a person with a heart of a father and a mother, is to raise up people to be fathers and mothers. How do you get there where it takes personal responsibility? And this is where I'm going to close. It takes personal responsibility. To be able to say that I'm going to have the heart of a father and mother. How do I get there? Well, first... You have to be a son and daughter. See, many of us don't know how to be fathers and mothers because we don't know how to be sons and daughters. God has given us His Word, the truth of who He is, and what it means to be a part of His life. As He gives us His Word, it is His life on our life. And as he is our father, we are learning, and as we obey it, we are learning to be sons and daughters ourselves.
Allow God's word to be life on your life, to raise you up to be fathers, to be mothers. Have a heart of a father and mother to share. Have a heart of a father and mother be able to intentionally give and pour your life. Have a heart of a father and mother and know that it's going to be inconvenient. Have life on life. And when these things happen, then our church will grow. When these things happen, then these ministries will take place and be awesome for this church. When these things happen, when we're better together, these life groups are going to be one of the best things that we could have. When we're better together, all of our ministries, I don't have to worry about if I have to speak here, someone's got me handled over there. That's better together. If someone is out for a women's ministry, you can still meet. That makes you better together. Life on life, having a heart of a father and a mother. You want to get there? Be a son and daughter to the father of God the Father. As my wife comes up, I'm going to ask y'all to pray. I'm going to ask y'all to pray for this church. I believe God has some awesome things set up, ready to go for this church. But I also believe that there are some mindset things that are happening that are allowing us to either be on a standstill or allowing us to, um, you know, not truly get to the point where God wants us to get. But I do know that it's going to happen soon. So I believe, with that being said, I do believe that we are ready to change that mindset to say that we can be better together. We can come together as one. We can come together as a heart of a father and mother. And we can pour our lives into not only just us in this church, but our community and allow this church to expand. Because what it's about people. People coming in here and becoming a community. That's what's going to have us grow. We can't sit here and just pray for each other all the time. We need to be willing to step up because they're going to come into this door. This community is going to come into this door and they're going to come into the new door. Now our job is to have the heart of the father and the mother 
and have life on life with them so that they can become fathers and mothers in discipleship. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for all that you're doing in our lives.